So, Dan Marek, welcome to the Can Marketing Save the Planet podcast. Thanks, Michelle. Lovely to be here. So you are the co-founder of Scrap, and we're going to find out a little bit more about Scrap and the wonderful work that you're doing in helping recycling to be so much more simpler. So recycling made simple. So Dan, welcome. Give us a bit of an introduction to yourself and, of course, to Scrap and a little bit of the backstory. Great stuff. Yeah, thanks, Michelle. Um, so yeah, um, I'm, I'm Dan. I'm one of the co-founders of Scrap. And Scrap is a, a climate tech startup helping businesses, individuals, and communities to basically waste less by recycling correctly. Um, and before I go any further, I'll probably give it a bit of a, a little bit of a caveat because um, although I'm kind of responsible for most of the marketing aspects at Scrap, my expertise is probably not mostly in marketing. Um, I've got a degree in structural engineering and I'm a self-taught project manager. Um, so you'll have to forgive me if any of my kind of technical knowledge of, of marketing are a little um, off in places. Forgiven immediately. No problem <laughs> what, whatsoever. No judgment here. So, so tech startup looking at solving the problem of recycling. And it's interesting there that you say making, you know, making, helping people to recycle properly. Because, mm. of course, you know, there's stats. And I know when Gemma and I and Geraint were writing Sustainable Marketing, um, How to Drive Profits with Purpose, we looked into uh, recycling, we looked into waste, we looked into food waste, plastic waste, you know, we, we, we covered a number of elements. And, you know, one of the stats that kind of stuck in my mind, and I suppose we talk about a lot, is this that 9% of, of everything that's ever been recycled is ever actually recycled. You know, people think it's going to the recycling bin and there's this, there's this kind of wish cycling activity that's happening um, because we're not recycling properly. Can you give us a little bit of an idea or a bit of a, some insight as to what you mean by not recycling properly? Yeah, um, that's quite a long question. Um, okay, yeah. so... Um, by not recycling properly, I mean kind of basically anyone who who takes their packaging and puts it into into the wrong bin. Um, and so, obviously, that can 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 go down a lot of different ways. I think, as you said, only nine percent of all plastics ever made have been actually recycled. Um, and we've done quite a lot of kind of research into this as well. So we looked, we took a kind of big picture approach and looked at how much household waste is produced each year. And the the World Bank estimates that we generate more than two billion tons. So. Wow. Um, I like to kind of put that kind of thing into perspective because that's obviously a big number, but it's really difficult to kind of picture that. So it's basically like taking the kind of like the New York Central Park, which you know, most of us can kind of envisage, and then you cover that with, with trash extending almost a kilometer into the sky. Um, wow. And then of that entire amount, uh, 94% ends up dumped in kind of third world countries, landfills, and our oceans. So what's the reason behind this? Well, the biggest reason is kind of contamination, right? So it's this idea of people putting things in, into the wrong bin. Um, and, and to be honest, it's not really kind of, it, it, it's an issue, but it's kind of difficult to put your finger on because there's so many products out there and there's an infinite yeah. number of, of packaging components, materials and so on. So it can be really tricky for us as kind of consumers to be able to kind of do the right thing, even if we've got the right intentions. Um, and so we can kind of see this in the data and you said you kind of looked into it as well. So if we look at like search trends for things like is, you know, X item recyclable, that, yeah. that, those search trends are exponentially rising. And so it seems like the kind of current solutions like websites and leaflets don't seem to be kind of delivering the answers for people. 
Absolutely. And nor do the labels. Uh, I mean, let's just talk labeling for a moment here, Dan, because I remember when we were looking at eco labels and, you know, I would pick up something and ordinarily see those three little triangles that think, oh, you know, this is this is recycling. This is recyclable. But Mm. actually what that means is it's good to recycle. It doesn't actually mean that 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 product that that is stamped on is Mm. actually recyclable. I mean, and I think there are over, I don't, I'm sure this isn't an accurate number, but let's say over 450 types of different eco labels. I mean, that's a lot for consumers to navigate, to understand what they do, what is permissible, what isn't, where it needs to go, et cetera. So, so making recycling simpler seems to be a much, and as you say, if you're seeing those search volumes increase, there's intent. But of course, if people don't know what to do with it or how to do it, there's that education gap. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. I mean, I've kind of, I've, I've been fortunate to hear some some of the other guests kind of address this kind of topic a lot better than I could. But, you know, with the rise of the conscious consumer, there's, you know, one of the ways that brands are looking to distinguish themselves is is through kind of demonstrating their sustainability credentials. And so, but there's only so much room on the packaging, right? It's a lot of time yeah. we see like these short kind of catchy phrases like eco-friendly or like natural biodegradable, but then there's very little to kind of back it up. Um, or we can see like these symbols, which can be kind of quite misleading. So yeah. there's a couple of things with, with, to do with recycling that I'd like to address. And, and you already picked up on the kind of like the recycling arrows, triangle symbol. Um, what they're actually called is the plastic resin code. And so you, you, you often see this on, on packaging. Usually if you like pick up a bottle and look at the bottom, um, you can see the kind of three arrows with a number yeah. inside it. And what they were designed to do is by the kind of, they're designed by the plastics industry to help distinguish between what the plastic is actually made from. And depending on the type of the plastic it's made, on, made from, there's a different chance of it kind of being accepted by your local authority. Right. Um, and so what we're trying to do with Scrap is trying to simplify all of that information so that you don't have to worry about like the number on the, the packaging because you can just scan the product and Scrap will tell you whether it's recyclable or not, depending on where you are. Fantastic. So tell me how Scrap works. You know, right now I'm a consumer. I've got my big recycling bin in the kitchen that goes out to my bigger recycling bin mm-hmm. that gets taken away. What are the practicalities? Walk me through how I can be get better at my recycling. Sure. Um, so I guess our mission is basically to help businesses, individuals and communities to waste less by recycling correctly. And we do that in, in three ways. So as you say, we've got our a free app, which is designed to be used by anyone uh, and anywhere. So it enables you to scan the household, your household products um, and see exactly which bin they go in according to your local recycling rules. So practically, what you do is kind of pick up the, your products. So maybe you've got a, a plastic bottle or a, a wrapper. You scan the barcode and then Scrap will show you, uh, give you a breakdown of the, the different packaging parts and whether or not you have to sort them into different bins, mm-hmm. um, depending on your local recycling rules. And that's a really important aspect is that the scrap app will sync with your local and save your local recycling rules rather than just go off kind of general um, trends about what's recyclable. Brilliant. And and I suppose one of the things that we identified when we were, as I say, researching and, uh, and writing the book was that the infrastructure for recycling differs, doesn't it? You know, mm. that, that like different local authorities, some of them will have different... Um, bins, different colored of bins, different things that they can recycle, can't recycle. Uh, some 
some things need to be taken to a special facility. And yeah. of course, that education isn't really communicated that effectively to the household consumer. And I'm not sure about how effective it is when it's communicated to the businesses as well. So so is is there, do you differ what you do between the household consumer and businesses? Yeah, so I guess it kind of, it, it, that touches on like our, the other aspects of kind of what we do as a, as a business. So yeah. um, we have kind of built this kind of web portal for local authorities. And the idea of the web portal is a kind of a central space designed for kind of recycling program managers to help them roll out more efficient schemes that maximize recycling participation and minimize landfill fees. So anyone in a local area which uses a scrap app is going to send um, their activity, their information, their data basically to that local authority manager so that they can kind of use that information to, to improve their, their schemes. Um, they can also kind of set you know, um, the calendar bin collection days and they can send out notifications. Um, they can make updates to their recycling guidance instantly instead of, you know, reprinting yeah. um, leaflets or, you know, rewriting stuff on, on websites. Um, and then the kind of the third aspect is we want to help kind of brands and retailers to clear up like environment, like confusing environmental claims. Yeah. Um, so like basically greenwashing, right? So yep. we've built this kind of um, certification scheme, which we kind of like, we call basically the trip advisor of recycling. Brilliant. Basically, we want to kind of verify um, claims and also kind of certify low impact scores based on where their products are sold and how recyclable they actually are. Um, because we've kind of created a database of recycling schemes by local authorities. And I think there's kind of over 360 in the UK and there's almost kind of like this, that, that over 10,000 in, in the, in the U S. And so there's a lot of kind of places that we have to check. And without doing that, there's no real way to understand is, are the products that are actually being sold recyclable or is yeah. it kind of just greenwashing and saying, yeah, these products are in theory recyclable, but there's obviously a big difference between what is in theory recyclable versus what your local authority actually accepts. And that um, is that is brilliant, Dan. That is such a, a valid aspect to this because, I mean, I've had a few Twitter conversations, mm. uh, shall we say, with brands where they are making claims on their packaging that their product is 100% recyclable. And of course, I'm going back to them and challenging that and saying, no, it's not recyclable in the way that you are stating that it is recyclable. Yeah. You're not giving me information that as a consumer, I need to get in my car, drive 40 miles to a facility that recycles that particular type of plastic because mm. I can't just put that in my curbside recycling. But they're not necessarily um, giving everybody the backstory to yeah. do that, they're just putting that front end claim on that says, oh, 100% recyclable. And unless you are a little bit of a pain in the backside, as I am, uh, mm. and interested in this as, as a consumer with a vested interest about writing and researching about it, many people, many people will just believe what they see on the packet. So the fact that mm. you're doing a, a kind of sense check on that, I love that TripAdvisor kind of accountability aspect around it, is also, I suppose, Another opportunity to to support brands uh, in making the right, getting their claims right. Yeah, absolutely. I think the hundred <clears> percent <throat> recyclable phrase is, is one we see all the time, and it's kind of slapped on packaging really uh, kind yeah. of willy nilly. Um, and as you say, it's quite damaging to like most consumers who are you know the everyday 
you know, consumer kind of picking up packaging, looking at it for a split second, maybe got three seconds before you purchase that product. And it says something like eco-friendly or 100% recyclable or that they're at the bin and they, they see this 100% recyclable claim. They're like, okay, cool. Like I'm going to put this in my recycling. But, you know, that's that's quite damaging because there's potentially a lot of those, the, you know, elements of that product which aren't recyclable where they live. Um, and so that's why we kind of built the, the, the app so that they can scan a product and we'll just show them step-by-step, step, tick, cross, tick, cross, depending on what, you know, what products they have in their hand and, and what their local recycling guidance is. Fantastic. Wouldn't it be interesting, you know, to take that innovation as when you're going through the shopping and you're scanning your products when you're buying them and they go into different, but you're like, oh, this, is, this is honest, this isn't honest, yeah. you know. Um, I mean, just that, that's just my mind firing off thinking, <laughs> oh, can you imagine what people, what the consumer choice would be at that point, thinking yeah. actually, you know, all of those claims are are a version of the truth rather than the truth. So um, mm. interesting. So what can people and businesses practically do to get involved and get active with Scrap? Um, I think just in, you know, in general, it's just to kind of follow the, the waste hierarchy. It sounds kind of really cliche. Um, but obviously we're very aware that we focus on recycling and that's kind of like a, a small impact of what you can do is what we can do as consumers to you know, yeah. live a sustainable life. Right. So um, with that waste hierarchy, it's kind of reduce what you use, um, reuse what you have and then recycle the rest. Um, and then I, re- I recently read, I think her name is Jen Gale. I don't want to butcher that, but she's got a book called Sustainable Ish Living Guide. Um, you may have, you may have heard of it, but yeah. she, she also kind of introduced to me this uh, this um, this kind of hierarchy of needs, which I think is by Sarah Lazarovich. Um, but basically, it's a funny take on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Okay. Basically, kind of like a blueprint for consuming less and then living as low impact as possible. Brilliant. So we like to kind of try and follow that that kind of hierarchy, that blueprint for you know reducing what you use, reusing what yeah. you have, and recycling the rest. Yeah. But then our app specifically addresses how do you recycle the rest you know, to the best of your ability and yeah, properly. Um, And so in in terms of saving themselves from all this confusion or recycling, our app is a kind of free tool, which obviously I'd recommend trying out. Um, And then you can kind of scan your household items and start becoming more confident at at recycling. Um, Then if you want to kind of go a step further, we kind of encourage you to kind of add new products to our library. So if you scan an item which isn't in our database yet, you can add new packaging information and it gets shared with the rest of our community. So it's kind of this crowdsourced approach that helps other people to recycle right too. Um, and we're kind of really passionate about getting people involved and building, building that community aspect around we're kind of helping each other together to recycle correctly. So it's a recycling movement really, isn't it? Right. That this is, this is, and you're absolutely right, Dan, that recycling should be the last thing that we that we think we have to do you know if we're if we sort out those other elements and if we're more conscious about uh what we're doing um the re- we can't just rely on oh well i can get this and it will be recycled because the stats and the facts show us that because of infrastructure because of many different aspects like you said there's you think about all the products that are in a supermarket and that's just in you know a supermarket there's lots of other things uh that that we can talk about that are challenged mm-hmm. with recycling. Um, it's it's challenging, isn't it? So, yeah. so and, and that is great. So what you're saying is that if you are going to recycle, do it properly so that it actually has the best chance of being recycled, which might yeah. mean ripping off the bit of plastic in the middle of that pack, sandwich pack and doing those other aspects so that 
there are components that can be recycled and others that that can't. So you've not got this cross-contamination, which when it comes to local authorities having to sort that, you're making their lives easier and therefore encouraging, making it more likely that those things are going to get actually recycled. Yeah. And I think, I think it, a lot of people ask is like, okay, like what's in it to me, in it for me? Or like, why am I kind of sorting things? Why am I making sure that like I'm taking off this plastic lid, which seems kind of like really kind of like meaningless almost to them. This is such a small thing, but it's like, it, when we look at this, it kind of like infrastructurally, there's countries like we used to send like a load of like tons of tons and tons of waste each year. We probably still do abroad yeah. to kind of these kind of developing countries. Right. And even they started kind of saying, no, wait, this, this is kind of not okay. We're not going to start, you know, we're not going to accept more of this kind of trash, which is contaminated because we can't deal with it. Yep. Um, yep. Like if you, as a developed country can't deal with it, then how are we supposed to deal with it? And so the kind of magic number that is kind of associated with that is this 5%. So if more than 5% of things in the trash or in your recycling are contaminated, contaminating that kind of bin, then it gets sent to landfill. That's kind of like a general rule. Wow. And then when it gets sent to landfill, there's like an economic kind of um, cost associated with that. So for every ton of um, every ton of waste that gets sent to landfill in the UK, so it costs around ninety pounds at, at the moment. Obviously, those right those costs are set to rise with, with reducing landfill um, sizes and space for landfills and yep. so on. Um, but if you can re- if you send that same kind of um, ton of recycled uh, trash to be recycled, then it's about 40, 40 pounds. And then you've also got kind of the savings associated with selling the materials afterwards. So there's a real kind of economic incentive toward to kind of the local authorities, first of all, to yep. recycle correctly. But we're hoping that, you know, if we can prove that people using scrap or people just recycling correctly has this kind of environmental incentive and that's aligned with the, infra- uh, the economic incentive is aligned with the environmental incentive, then maybe that starts getting a kickback for, for people, like everyday people like us doing the right thing. So, Maybe that's like a reduction in a tax bill or something, but that's you know yeah, that's yeah. just a kind of a vision for it, I guess. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, it's that kind of. I mean, I remember as a child, I used to take the bottles of pop back to the shop and get mm. money for it. You know, it was as it was as simple as that, and and those rewards. But with your app, uh, uh, I think uh, you know I've only just started playing with the app, but there is this kind of you've almost gam- gamified, haven't you? Uh, this recycling properly because you get points and you can pay those points forward tell me a little bit about that side of things yeah absolutely so um we've actually just recently gone through quite a big pivot um in our businesses where we've changed we've changed quite a lot of things and so um we really see the value in kind of gamifying the system making it easy and and simple and fun to to get involved with and so um, when we first launched the app, we had this kind of quite elaborate point system whereby each time you scan a product, you get points and then you could use those to redeem against kind of like products and things. But then once we spoke to people, like I did a lot of research after we first launched the app back in uh, 2021. And most people told me that kind of, I'm not recycling to get a reward. I recycle because I want to do the right thing. And yeah. these kind of points just kind of like made it a little bit confusing for us. And so what we've done is kind of stripped back the app and made it more of like a utility tool that you just use when you need to. Um, but we were also wanting to, you know, understand the behavioral science of what makes something fun to do, right? We don't want to just make it like a boring app. So we're trying to give people kind of motivational um, yeah, uh, kind of messages after they recycle things to make them feel like they're doing the right thing or, you know, using their um, activity and their efforts and put, making that kind of interesting. So, okay, um, Michelle, you've recycled this amount. 
you're 5% more than the local average or, you know, yes, you've saved yeah, X yeah. amount of CO2 this year or you've saved this amount kilogram from going to landfill. Yeah. Like stuff that makes you feel like you're actually making a positive impact. Um, yeah. and you can associate that. Um, and so, yeah, so we've, we've, we've made that kind of change. And then more recently, we've also been speaking to a lot of local authorities. Um, and that's encouraged us to kind of rethink how we kind of present this gamification model and looking at how we kind of bring back in rewards for recycling as well. So right now we have a system whereby for every five products you scan, we remove um, plastic pollution from the ocean via uh, kind of a charity we're partnering with um, called Repurpose Global. Um, but we're also looking to work with local authorities and set kind of community challenges. So if we partner with a local authority, say my local authority, Bristol City Council, we will, they will set a, a goal, a certain amount of scans by everyone in that local authority, say 250,000. And then once that goal is hit, the local authority will make a contribution toward to support a local charity. It doesn't have to be environmental. It can be anything, right? It's about building this kind of community yeah, aspect yeah. of we're doing this thing together and this is going to have like a, a, a tangible impact, which mean, that makes our efforts meaningful, you know, yeah. more than just we're recycling to do the right thing. Um, so it's about kind of incentivizing and, and motivating people to, to get it right. I love that. And of course, partnerships, such an important part. You know, you say mm. you're, you're, you're partnering with Repurpose Global um, and that is, and of course you're partnering with the local authorities so that this this funnels down. So this brings me to marketing, really, because mm. this is this is partnership marketing. This is how can we how can we uh, leverage the communication? How can we leverage this education? How can we work with partners to support behavioural change? So mm. you said at the beginning, Dan, that you've you you're not a traditionally trained marketer. You know, you're a structural engineer, but you've been you are the designated marketing uh, marketer at uh, yeah. Scrap. So. So where do you see the role of marketing and, and what is the role marketing is playing in this educational piece and this, these, these kind of partnership developments? Is, is, it, is that what you're focused on or are there other aspects? Um, I think kind of the role of packaging marketing is kind of interesting, especially so like, you know, I, I, this is kind of like a, just the thing I was thinking about today. Like if you look at like packaging over time, especially in the last 10 years, like things like uh, like celebration cans or Freddos in the UK, like you've seen how small they're getting. Yeah. And that means like the real estate for like putting messaging on packaging is is becoming, you know, is reducing. So I think there's this kind of issue where there's kind of less and less space to clearly demonstrate the sustainable aspects of what goes into a product. So like whether, you know, workers were ethically treated or paid yeah. fairly or whether the raw materials were sustainably sourced, um, as well as all the, kind of the important nutritional information we already see. Um, but I don't think it should be kind of enough to just make it like an ambiguous claim or kind of like a designer symbol. Um, I think that in order to provide the kind of supply chain transparency, there's kind of a real need for brands and retailers to invest in like digital solutions that actually start to provide credibility to these claims. So being able to expand on that transparency piece and really demonstrate where it all comes from. Um, because I think without that, it's just kind of empty promises on a piece of packaging. Um, yeah. And it could actually be doing more harm than good. And I suppose this is where, I mean, I think some brands have tried that, haven't they, with like QR codes that can mm. then, you know, the reality is, is that will consumers then take that QR code and go off and, and do something with it? And I suppose time mm. time will tell on that front. But but the other thing that, you know, Gemma and I have kind of discussed on a number of occasions, and we've, you know, we've we've had various challenge conversations with, with other guests on the podcast around it, is 
is because it's so complex, you know, the complexity of, of, of sustainability and, you know, like you say, just that packaging just being one thing and then all of the, all of the different kind of components that go into a product and what's going on in the supply chain and what's going this, you know, yes, you could send somebody a QR code and send them to your sustainability report or your report where you've got all of the detail and you're showcasing all of this. And I think that more and more people are becoming, like you say, that conscious consumerism, we are becoming definitely more, um, and because of social media and digital technologies, we can, you know, we, we want to access these things more uh, frequently and we can, you know, just on our phones. It's not like we have to go off and do some big research piece now. But it, also there is that beauty of simplifying the complexity as yeah. we have done with uh, sugars and nutritional values into that kind of uh, amber, you know, red, amber, green traffic like system. So that as yeah. a consumer, you can quickly see, oh, you know, this is all in the reds. Maybe I'll only buy one of those or none of those, or maybe I'll go for the greener option. Um, and I, we've already started to see brands like Quorn, um, and I think Tesco's trialed this a long time ago, actually, in about, you know, the uh, probably about 10 years ago, they started, maybe they were a little bit ahead of their time back then, started to to put these kind of red, amber, green messages around, around carbon, around um, around footprints, you know, and how 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 sustainable or ethically sourced this this particular product was it's an enormous challenge isn't it dan to try and take all of those complexities into into that simple system but i just don't know what your thoughts are on on something like that i think with any kind of like piece of messaging it's really important to respect people's time so I think just from like my own experience of when we built the first app, as soon as someone scanned a product, we'd show them loads of information right away. And so we weren't really kind of like improving on the websites, which have loads of products. And so um, some of us, I can't remember who told me this, but someone pointed me towards a piece of research which was like, okay, you need to be mindful that people will be able to memorize, you know, in general, seven plus or minus two things, right? So we can like, we can remember two, the seven things at a time or a max of nine minimum of five unless you're like some genius from like the chase <laughs> or something uh, unless you've got a photographic memory you can remember pretty much seven plus minus two things and so especially with things like recycling where it's just it, it people don't want to spend loads of time no. doing it they want to just do it get it right and move on with their day and so it's about giving people enough information to get allow them to do the right thing but not overwhelm them with with loads of stuff like yeah. just telling them why they're doing it and how they do do it it's just about okay if i scan this thing this packaging is it recyclable or not that's what you want to know and so that's what we're going to tell you if you then want to find out like how do you you know how do you most meticulously go through and separate things and and prepare it to be recycled and give it the best chance for sure like we'll also tell you that information but for most people haven't got the time or kind of like, frankly, just like motivation to go and do all that. So we've kind of designed um, our app in, you know, to respond to the kind of behavioral science of how, you know, people interact with, you know, taking climate action, and yeah. especially recycling. Yeah. So even if, even if it's just that yes, no situation mm. initially, and then a percentage will go on and do the, the more kind of, um, you know, get more more involved and have a look at the next phase of yeah. what they could be doing. That percentage, 
Have you measured, you're you're obviously measuring the impact already because Mm. you said that you're able to go back to people and say, well, you've you've done this much, you've helped this impact. So Mm. you're measuring the impact through all of the, um, through the app and through the technologies of what people are doing and how these things are are being put out there. Yeah, so um, we we kind of keep a, a track of like how many people are recycling things and and how they're doing how they're doing. So um, we we know that that our app's been used already by to divert over twenty thousand items from landfill, um, and that's only like kind of six months time. And so we also track things like um, how much you know what the breakdown of packaging that are being recycled is, um, and that's really interesting because then we can start to make kind of like observations around okay what packaging is being kind of produced where and where isn't it being recycled and why and then we can start to look you know use that information and partner with local authorities and governments to start looking at how we improve packaging in response to what is actually happening in in person um we also have um kind of like uh, taken a bit of done a bit of research in terms of like the impact and the carbon impact analysis of packaging mm-hmm. so we've created a system which allows us to understand like if i scan like a a water bottle for example and it's made out of these components how much co2 do i save by recycling that as opposed to if it just went to landfill right. and so using that information and kind of uh, over the accumulation over time based on what you're scanning as as a consumer we can start to say okay um, Michelle or Dan, you know, you've recycled this many products made of this type of packaging, and this is an estimation of the CO2 you've saved. And here's what that means in terms of miles driven or, you know, uh, packaging safety, some kind of metric that makes it easy to understand for yeah. them as consumers. Which is great because then you're bringing your consumers, your audiences along with you and helping them to do the right thing, you know, Mm. because I don't think anybody would say, no, I want to be an irresponsible human being. I think people Mm. want to do the right thing. They often, there's often not the infrastructure or the education in order for them to do that. And what I really like about that data and insights that you're, that you are understanding about, as you said, the types of packaging that are more popular or easier to recycle is that, yeah, that can be fed back in, not only just to the local authorities and the government, but also into brands. Yeah. To say, you know, hey, whatever big brand, you know, do you realize that this percentage does get recycled? This isn't. Maybe could you transition your packaging so that there is more of a, uh, you know, more of a opportunity or likelihood of that being recycled? So, yeah. so great, great stuff. So we've talked a lot about packaging. We've talked to uh, marketing's communications, those elements being smaller on the packaging. We like to ask all of our guests three questions, Dan, to round up the podcast. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, Gemma and I are on a mission to, just as you're on a mission to educate people in mm-hmm. how to recycle properly so that they can do the right thing, we're on a mission to educate marketers to be aware of these changes and things that are happening in their land so that when they are going out and thinking about the messages and the campaigns and even the packaging that is going on and the education that they're putting out to their audiences, that they're doing that responsibly. Mm. So what's your view about marketing and whether or not the role marketing plays? You know, we asked that question, the name of our podcast, Can Marketing Save the Planet? Can Marketing Save the Planet? Um, So I guess I'm 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 an optimist, but I'm also a realist. So um, whilst I love to think that marketing alone can kind of save the planet, I'm not sure like that alone will. 
Um, do I think they can play a kind of valuable ra- role in raising awareness and empowering people to do their thing? Um, yeah, I think absolutely. But I do fear that without kind of, it won't be enough if we don't begin to kind of address like the larger issues at hand. So you've got like, you know, subsidies for fossil fuels and, and holding the biggest kind of polluters to accountability with some kind of like better system. So I think that, yeah, there, there's definitely a role for it, but I'm not sure that like marketing alone will, will, will save yeah. the planet. Yeah, but working together is uh, those collaborations and 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 having a role to play, and even just being aware that maybe some of the packaging that is going out, asking those questions like, "Is this really a hundred percent recyclable?" Yeah, and we really be saying that, you know, because I think often, and and many of the marketers I've spoken to, and and you know, I do quite a, a number of uh, courses now and training and things with marketers around sustainable marketing and just building that awareness because. As a marketer for you know nearly thirty years, I wasn't aware of half of the stuff. You know, you just kind of do what you're doing and put those campaigns out. You're not really asking the questions about, oh, is it? Are we? Do we do that? And of course, this is where marketers really need to broaden their understanding and um, of the landscape. So, to even understanding that apps like yours exist, you know, and that that this is something that they could also be uh, tapping into to understand the intelligence so that they're making better decisions in, in their own packaging or, or pushing that back up into the organization somehow. Mm. So, so that's the first question we like to round up with. The next sure. question, Dan, is what do you hope business looks like? I mean, you're a startup, you're this tech startup, you're it's early days for you guys, isn't it? So, but you're you're doing great guns already and you, there's lots of positive momentum about the work that you're doing. So what do you hope business looks like in 10 years time? Um, it's a good question. I think I want to live in a world where people and businesses like are generally incentivized for their positive climate, climate kind of action efforts. So for example, like if you use our app correctly, you're going to pay less waste management tax or if businesses run wholly on renewable energy they get some kind of like bonus from that and i know there's kind of like systems and grants in place but i'd like to see kind of like more of that so that we can really start to align environmental conservation with the kind of economic incentives um that you know will likely come from that and i also think that it's really important like we're not going on like a, a wild witch hunt against like companies or organizations getting it wrong like as you say like this stuff is still kind of like still really new yeah. And like, although you've got like the CMA coming with like green, you know, green codes Same and stuff. Code, like, yeah. It, yeah, as it, yeah. Thank you. Um, it's still, they're still like still really easy to get it wrong. And so I think as long as it's like really constructive criticism the, towards kind of like marketers and companies and saying, look, okay, like let's call out like this thing for being wrong, but let's also not like shame them for that. And let's yeah. like constructively show them how they can get it, make it better. Then I think that's like, uh, that's a, that's my hope for 10 years time. Yeah, brilliant. And well, and just now. <laughs> and I know, and the sooner the better, really. You know, we yeah. talk about this decisive decade and that decade is now eight years, you know, so it's kind of we're eating into this this critical time, aren't we? So things, we really need to be making that impact and, and in, involving some of those changes as quickly as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. And Dan, if you were to give one piece of advice to others around getting started with more sustainable endeavors, what would it be? Um, well, I guess I'm not really in a position to begin like giving people loads of advice about stable marketing, but I think uh, I'd start with these two things. So the best way to start obviously is to learn from others and kind of do your research. So read articles, books, listen to podcasts, find examples of other people or, or companies who seem to be getting it right. 
but also like I like to trust my gut. So, you know, if you have a feeling that what you're publishing might be a bit misleading, you know, let's, you know, question that. Um, I think like bring it up with your teams and have like an open discussion about, you know, what you have to back it up. And I think it's obviously better to have those conversations in the office, in the boardroom or wherever that might be and kind of get your facts straight rather than being called out by national press or have the CMA kind of knocking at your door. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's the way I'd approach it. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant advice. Yeah, great. Do your research, have those open conversations and start within. As you say, this is, you know, fertile territory and uh, and I, I, you know, I, I agree with you. It, it isn't about naming and shaming. This is about all of us working collaboratively and and pulling all of us up, you know, so mm-hmm. that we're all exemplars. And 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 that does seem to be a great um, one of the things that I've noticed with regards to the sustainability landscape and people working within sustainability is there's this wonderful sharing economy. People are very keen to share ideas, share insights, to support one another, to collaborate, to work together, because I think that everybody gets that it's so interconnected and no one, no one body, you know, marketing alone isn't going to do this. Governments are alone aren't going to do this. Businesses alone aren't going to do this. This is going to take, you know, global effort of Every single one of us, you know, really focusing on how we respect and, and look after and, and take care of this planet. So that's wonderful advice. So, Dan, anything else? How can people find out more about the work that you're doing? Are there resources? I mean, obviously, download your app. Where do they need to go? Um, yeah, so our app is free to download on iOS and Android. So it's a great first step. Um, you can also kind of follow us on social media at Scrap Recycling. That's with two P's, by the way. Yep. Um, on kind of Instagram and, and Twitter and, and LinkedIn, wherever else. Um, if there's any kind of like brands or retailers interested in, in getting their kind of products on on the app and making sure that their customers get free recycling guidance, then um, reach out to me, send me a message. Um, and then, yeah, um, really you know, appreciate you having me on the podcast and it's been really fun. Fantastic. Well, I will make sure all of those details are in the show notes, how people can connect with you as well, Dan. And um, and that's been absolutely brilliant. So it just leaves me to say a huge thank you for joining us and thank you for sharing all the insights and um, stuff that's going on within Scrap. And I will most definitely, definitely be uh, sharing and spreading the word uh, to others to get them involved and, and uh, become better recyclers. Super. Thank you very much for your time, Michelle.